If you were to ask me, how does it feel to heal from narcissistic abuse? I would say it feels like riding the hardcore roller coaster in the theme park. In my experience, when I've gone to theme parks, the mellower rides are at the beginning of the park, the ones for the younger audience or people who are susceptible to get motion sickness. And they're, they're mellow. They're just pleasant rides where you can take in the scenery and you get off the thing and you didn't feel this intense moment in the roller coaster. It was just a pleasant ride, which can also feel boring, especially if you have been in the intense roller coasters. And as you go deeper into the park, that's when you tend to find these quote-unquote intense roller coasters. And there usually is the one, the one that is known to be the fastest, the steepest climb, the highest dip, the whatever. It's just this quick, intense, confusing, wild ride. And when you get off this thing, you're disoriented and confused. And if it feels like I might be describing a narcissistic relationship, that is because I am. I think narcissistic relationships can feel like a roller coaster, and healing from them can also feel like a roller coaster. It's just disorienting and painful. Today, I want to talk about how healing has felt like for me and how I have managed to persevere in my healing despite struggling with challenges of feeling pulled towards toxic people. Hi, I am Raisa, a survivor of narcissistic abuse, and I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And you are listening to Hello Trauma Brain, a podcast where I share my experiences living with complex PTSD. My hope is this podcast can help destigmatize mental health and provide support to anyone diagnosed with CPTSD who thinks they might have it or has a loved one with this diagnosis. Quick reminder, I am not a licensed psychologist or mental health care professional. And this podcast is not meant to replace nor substitute the care of psychologists, other mental or medical health care professionals. If you think you might have complex PTSD or PTSD, please reach out to your primary care or mental health care provider. Any individuals and resources mentioned in this episode are not sponsoring Hello Trauma Brain. This episode may reference trauma or abuse, and listener discretion is advised. Remember, you can always pause or skip this episode at any time. And now, let's get back to the episode. Hello, dear survivors, and welcome to this episode of Hello, Trauma Brain. Thank you for joining me today. Quick check-in. I went to a concert last night. I went to see Gregory Alan Isakoff, and in my opinion, he is a master of songwriting, and it was just lovely, lovely to see a musician that strikes me as someone who is probably very agreeable, sweet, and kind, and this is a man who is living his life farming. He has this this farm in Colorado, and then he's creating and playing beautiful music that quite frankly it's it's kind of like the soundtrack of being in a farm and being with nature and um 
he's known for writing sad songs. And a part of me wants to say that I feel like he might be a survivor too. I, I don't know the, the story of, of Gregory at all. But I did see an interview he did once when someone asked him how to pronounce his last name. And they were like, do you say it like Isakov or Isakov? And I remember being like, oh my gosh, finally, I'm going to know how to say this man's last name. So I might be saying it wrong. And Gregory said, eh, either one works. It, they're fine either way. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't say which. <laughs> he didn't answer the question. Which uh, I think that's the piece where I was like, I think he's an agreeable person. Because <laughs> um, even with the name, I, I, have, I have that with my name. My name is Risa, but um, living in, in, the, in the mainland in in the united states since i moved uh here from puerto rico like if you read my name in english it's rosa and i've totally gone in rosa rosa and so many variations of my name and i don't tend to correct people i i do remember being involved with someone who was very antagonistic and he made it his mission to correct people on my behalf <laughs> uh which quite frankly I, I i didn't care and it doesn't sound like gregory cares either so i'm gonna go with isakov because that's um that's how the opener introduced him last night so i'm hoping <laughs> then a friend of his who was opening for him <laughs> is saying it the right way uh, he might be saying it wrong too and gregory doesn't again he doesn't care he doesn't correct him so anyway I did this concert and it was very inspirational to me I actually woke up this morning and I I got a bit of that lightning strike of inspiration and I started writing a new song and I haven't started a song in a while so it felt good to just write down what I was feeling in a in an artistic way and that happens to be something I do want to do. I I really want to release an EP at one point. Hopefully soon. I want to make it in the next few months. And I, at this point, I've let go of this fantasy of it needs to be when I have the money to rent the studio, when I have the money to pay the musicians, when I this, when I that. Like That's all going to go out the window and I'm just going to do a bare bones self-recording probably in my bedroom where I record this podcast and I'll do a self-release electronically and see what happens I I don't know but this is something that I have felt a calling to do for a while and when you go to concerts when you see other people doing something that you feel called to do there's just this pull like and I felt it last night I felt the pull just saying to write, to write, honestly, to write. So I, I sing a lot. I get booked to sing lots of covers all the time. But the pull to sing my own songs, the pull to to use my voice in my own way, not try to sound like someone else because I'm doing a cover. So I should probably sound more like Alicia Keys or I should sound more like Aretha or I should sound more like whoever, like something that feels true and authentic to me. And I even met a listener last night. I, I met a listener of the podcast at the concert uh, briefly. And I have to say, it's still wild to think or grasp the concept that people are listening. And, and when I say people um, listening, I mean people who are not my friends already, who are just listening because they want to be supportive <laughs> of this new endeavor. I mean, people who are just finding the podcast some way and they're listening and they're continuing to tune in every week and then they reach out and send messages it's like what there there's strangers out there that are listening to this <laughs> and, then, 
it's nice to meet and connect with new friends, with other survivors who are in the healing journey with me. And it's uh, it's something that Ramani talks about how like as you start healing survivors, we start finding each other. And I am finding that to be very true in my in my experience. Since I started healing, I feel like all of a sudden I, I, I'm feeling this pull towards other people that are doing this work. And that's quite beautiful. Now, today, I would like to talk about the roller coaster of healing from narcissistic abuse. And I want to use this metaphor of the roller coaster because there are different types of roller coasters out there. And depending on what type of relationship you have, that is how the healing might feel like as well. Now, a healthier relationship, it does hurt when they end. And I, I've had, I mean, the very few, and maybe by few, I mean like one, a healthier relationship I was in. And it hurt. It hurt when it ended, but it wasn't like all encompassing and as painful as it was when I was going through a breakup with a toxic person, like that toxic heartbreak. Uh, when I see Ramani's video on the toxic heartbreak, I, yes, there is a deep and stark difference between a toxic heartbreak and a quote unquote regular or normal heartbreak. And they're both painful, but the toxic thing, whew, it just multiply it by a thousand. Now, when it comes to relationships and healing from these relationships, I, I think the roller coaster captures very well how, how it feels like. Let's just take the hardcore roller coaster in the theme park. If you've if you've written one of these things, they usually have like the long line too. So you're you're in the line for forever, anticipating this thing. And as you're getting closer to the thing, you're seeing the ride go over and over, and you hear the people are screaming. And a part of you is like, oh my gosh, that sounds really, <laughs> really intense. And you might even feel that like a bit of fear or or like anxiety or nervousness, which Quite frankly, I feel like with toxic relationships, it's that like love bombing period where you, you start feeling the butterflies and like the excitement building in. And then you get into the roller coaster. And usually the intense ones, they go quick. Have you ever been to that roller coaster that the way it starts is they like shoot you super quick and you're screaming from the first second it turns on? I've, I've definitely written those. And it, like you almost like don't have a moment to really think about holy crap what what did I get myself into like before you know it they dip you down and you go upside down and then you get thrown through this dark tunnel and you come out of it and a part of you is almost like hoping at least that this has happened to me like there have been roller coasters where I feel like oh my gosh is this gonna end soon like I really want to get off this thing and right when you think it's gonna be over like it takes a left turn and then you're upside down again and there's another fucking dark tunnel in there and then they take the fucking picture that picture <laughs> let's talk about the picture have you ever seen the picture after and you look confused scared discombobulated dysregulated panicking because that's that's kind of what it feels like when you're in a narcissistic relationship you're just holding on to dear life to that freaking seat <laughs> hoping you don't fall out and usually when you finish a intense roller coaster you, you can see how it impacts people and and you might see it from when you're waiting in line or you see it in the people that rode the roller coaster with you when you all get out like some people are like 
ready to get back in. Some other people are like, hell no, I am never getting on this fucking thing. Some people are sick. And I, I've been in that place where I'm like, okay, that was, that was too much. I can't do that again. And you feel it for a moment. And then you start going towards the exit. And then you see the picture and you're like, oh my gosh, I look like hell. And then all of a sudden, you feel like you want to get back in. <laughs> you want to get back in line. You want to go back into the thing and write it again. And I cannot think of a better way to capture what a trauma bond feels like. You know it's really not good for you. You know it felt like hell when you were in it. And yet you can't get yourself to walk away to the mellow roller coasters. You want to get back on the fucking thing for some ungodly reason that you can't quite understand. And that's how it is in these relationships. You keep writing that thing over and over again. And it shakes the hell out of you. And every time it feels worse. Has that happened? Like maybe you get, maybe you get in the first time and it, you, it doesn't quite hit you how intense it was. So you go back in and then you write it again. You're like, oh, oh shit, that felt awful. <laughs> you write it again. And then you go, okay, that, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> And some of us, it takes us a lot of rides before we get to that point. Some of us get there quicker. I feel like I'm getting there quicker now as I heal. Like, oh, nope. I, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Not doing that again. I'm going to go back to the mellow rides because those mellow rides, especially if you've been through an intense roller coaster, the mellow ride really feels eh. It feels like, okay, that was cute. <laughs> but they didn't quite, it didn't quite shake me up. If you've been in that situation when the mellow ride felt boring, you're kind of like done after you do it one time and you're ready to move on to the more exciting things, right? I'm going to pause it for a moment and point out that mellow ride might be the healthy relationship. And Ramani talks about this, how for survivors, like the mellow, the mellow, healthier relationship can feel boring. You kind of have to white knuckle it a little bit to get used to the fact that this is actually how it should be. It shouldn't be all these ups and downs, the highest highs, the lowest lows, which by the way, if you feel like you have that highs and low situation going on, beware. That's a, that might be a sign that you might be dealing with a trauma bonded, toxic relationship. With the mellow rides, I've, I have to say... They do feel nicer. <laughs> you don't feel as sick. You feel like you can not only write it again and have that sense of, of being in a pleasant environment, but you can continue through your day not feeling all discombobulated and dysregulated and like someone just beat the heck out of you by shaking you around. Now, as I get older, there are certain roller coasters I can't ride, like the wooden roller coasters I used to love going on those things and there was a time a few years ago when I I went on one and dang that thing when I got off I had a migraine because it, it shook the heck out of my neck and I remember the ride was painful I could feel my neck shaking with the roller coaster and just feeling like this is gonna be awful by the time we're done here and when I got off I had the migraine it was really hard to enjoy myself for the rest of the of the theme park day and I remember thinking I am never gonna do another roller coaster like that ever again like I'm, I'm I was really done and the next theme park I did they had one of those wooden ones and I remember I sat back on it I was like yeah I know you guys can go <laughs> I'm gonna wait here I'm not getting on that thing I don't want to have a migraine again 
And I feel like that's how it's been like when I started healing. There are certain relationships. I just can't do them anymore. I, I can't. I can't. And even if I have to interact in, in limited ways, I'll, I'll do the line and the roller coaster comes. And have you been that person or seen that person? Like when the time comes, maybe they're in a group of people who want to write the thing and they want to hang out with them. So they'll do the line with them and then cross over to the other side and skip the actual ride and just wait on the other side for the friends to come back or the family to come back. That's that's how I handle these relationships now. Like if I really have to interact, I'll I'll do the line and then the ride comes like, okay, y'all can get in. I'm going to wait for you on the other side. And then I I take my exit as quietly and carefully as I can so I don't get pulled into the seat and forced to do the ride. And when it comes to healing from these relationships, it feels just like you're in the relationship, but in a different way. Healing, healing feels like somebody sticks you in, in the roller coaster that you were in, but this time you're by yourself. So the abuser is not there with you by your side. There's nobody else there. You're just getting on the ride for the very first time on your own and they they turn the thing on but they don't quite turn it off so every time you go through the the part where you know where it's supposed to end or begin it just keeps going have you been on that ride where like they just like they give you a freebie ride and they just keep it going one more time it can happen if if you're if you're writing the thing and there's like nobody else in line and they just kind of let you sit there and they're like okay you can go again and you go again that's how it feels like when you're healing at the beginning like it's this infinite loop of the roller coaster and you're going up and down and then as you continue writing it over and over i will say it stabilizes a little bit it's like the roller coaster begins to change all of a sudden, that high part where you where you get dipped is a little bit lower. And the speed slows down a tad, not a lot. And that keeps happening gradually. And then as you heal, you might find yourself out of the roller coaster. But the thing with relationships is, is every time you end up facing a new relationship is like riding a new roller coaster and when you're riding a roller coaster for the first time you don't quite know what it's going to be like you might find yourself into another intense mess and just like that one ride <laughs> where I went like yep not again that that could be your experience or it might end up being something that you're like okay that actually felt nice I can get back in line for this and try it again and see how I feel I wanted to bring this metaphor to you today because I've used it many times with survivors. In fact, it's something that I've I've heard them say again and again. Like it's it's a metaphor that really resonates, I feel like, for not only me, but other people who are going through this journey. It really feels like a roller coaster. And depending on the type of relationship you're recovering from, that's I think that's how intense that roller coaster of healing is gonna feel like as well. Now, what am I doing to heal? I had to come to terms with identifying what type of roller coaster I am dealing with. That is what can start building some realistic expectations. And that is how I started 
working on my radical acceptance. Let's just say I get in line for a roller coaster. And usually, you know, roller coasters, they tap disclaimers before you start the line. You know, they say things like people with neck issues or back problems, pregnant uh, individuals, or people with motion sickness should be careful writing this thing. Or in some cases, they should not write the roller coaster. And it's one of those things where you're looking at the disclaimer and you still get on the thing. It really takes a lot of bandwidth to be shocked if I get sick after I get in a roller coaster where I had a disclaimer that was warning me I could get sick. Now, if you can take in, okay, this is going to make me sick, you won't be as shocked. If, even if you get sick, you'll be like, well, f- f- duh, uh, it, did, it did say I could get sick. So having that knowledge, having that expectation shift when I was still in it, when I didn't have any knowledge and I didn't have any realistic expectations, I was still operating from a place of ignoring the flags, ignoring when the abuser was telling me and showing me who they are. And I kept dismissing it, thinking, what's going to be different with us? It's going to be different with me because I'm going to get it right. Unlike anybody else they've ever had, I'm going to figure this out and it won't apply to me. And that's how it felt like before I started healing. Like I was just stuck in this cycle thinking that there would be some way for me to figure out how to be the person who can ride the thing and not get the side effects or the pain or the migraine or the whatever. When I started healing, the sermon became powerful and crucial as I developed the skill of putting radical acceptance front and center of how I interacted with people when I finally accepted who I was dealing with even though it still hurts when they when they throw the jab I wasn't as shocked that there was a jab because that's who I'm dealing with and also helped remove the self-blame and shame I had because I used to feel like I wasn't doing enough I wasn't getting it right and If I was doing more, they would not be treating me this way. Once I became aware of what I was really dealing with, it didn't feel personal anymore. This wasn't about me. Like It could have been anybody sitting where I was. They were still going to get shooken up, thrown through the dip, twisted upside down, thrown inside the tunnel, and their picture was going to look just as discombobulated as mine because that's the ride. That's who they are. And having that peace, and for me, it started with educating myself on narcissistic abuse. What are the different types? What is the pattern of behavior? That was what helped me determine, okay, this is the type of person I'm dealing with. And now I know that is not my fault. And now I also know what I'm getting myself into if I do interact with them. And I can stop feeling responsible for their behavior. I can start taking responsibility for mine. And that might look like choosing not to get on the roller coaster anymore. That might look like doing the line and then skipping to the other side and not riding the thing. That might look like bracing myself with tons of prep to write the thing and then bow out and not get back online. It really looks different for all of us. I'm hoping this metaphor can help you in some way because I feel like this framework was 
was very impactful for me when I started my healing journey. And it's something that I have seen other people um, use as they as they navigate their healing process as well. We deserve to choose what roller coasters we want to ride and which ones we don't. And it really breaks my heart sometimes. It might feel like we don't have a choice. And if you are in that situation, my heart goes out to you. And I really wish for you to find a way to protect yourself if you're still in this cycle trying to figure out what is happening and I hope that at the very least this metaphor can help you reduce some of the self-blame some of the shame or the responsibility you might be carrying on your shoulders that might not belong to you in this week's healing invitation I want to offer you a few things to reflect about Can you think about the people in your life and pinpoint what type of roller coaster do they feel like? Are they the mellow type and kind and you feel like you went on a nice ride when you were interacting with them? Or do you feel like they shake the living heck out of you and the picture you see at the end shows how confused and mistreated you are? Perhaps assign them a roller coaster rating. One can be the less intense and five being off the charts. This is data, information that can help you make better decisions for yourself. Do you want to give the fives in your life more of your energy and time? The ones might feel less exciting without the ups and downs, but do you feel better overall when you interact with them? Reflect on this as you begin looking at your inner circle and deciding whether you want to continue engaging in the same way or if perhaps the time is approaching for you to begin reconsidering these roller coaster rides. I hope this reflection can give you more clarity and help you build your discernment skills. Please let me know how this week's healing invitation goes if you choose to accept it. Before we wrap up this episode, all music and production is courtesy of yours truly. Also, I want to share a few ways you can support this podcast. You can subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the platform you are using to listen. Share this episode with anyone you think can benefit from this content. Follow Hello Trauma Brain on Instagram. Subscribe to the Hello Trauma Brain YouTube channel and hit the notification bell to be the first to know when I post a new episode. And you can make a donation by getting me a coffee through the official bio site. No worries, all links will be provided in the show notes. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you found this episode helpful. I wish you the best as you figure out what types of roller coasters you are currently riding on repeat in your lives and which ones you are healing from. It is time for our farewell affirmations. You are welcome to repeat after me. I am enough. 
I am lovable and I deserve to heal. I wish you a gentle week and thank you for listening.